What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Facade. I am your host, Gavin J. Gallagher, and on this podcast, I explore the mental and emotional game, often playing out subconsciously, both in your mind and the mind of everyone else in the real estate or property investment market. The key to success in this game is to master your mindset and behavior, to take control of your thoughts, your emotions, and most importantly, your ego. Welcome to the show. Guys, real quick before we begin, just want to ask you a quick favor. If you can, please stop what you're doing and leave a review for the podcast. Whatever platform you're listening in on, if you can give us a five star or whatever the highest rating is, it would be fantastic. And even better, if you found it useful in any way, please write that down on a very brief review if that's possible. It makes such a difference to how the podcast is received out there and pushed out on various platforms. That's all. Nothing else to ask. Now let's get on with the show. All right, guys, it's been a crazy couple of weeks. The YouTube channel now up and running and the YouTube audience has actually more than doubled in the last two months or so. So it's really good. And what it re I, I realized, like I was just thinking about what am I going to talk about today? And I realized that an awful lot of you here that are watching now uh, are very new to this content. And you may not have actually heard any of my backstory. You may, you may be curious about some of those things. And um, I went, so what I've done is I've gone back through my podcasts going way back to when I started. I started this podcast in April 2020 um, during the lockdown. And fast forward today, this is episode number 142. But um, I've gone back to some of the early podcasts that I, that I published way back at the very start. And um, I'm having a look at the transcripts and I found some really interesting information sitting in there. And I thought, you know what, just because I've said it two years ago, it's probably all new to an awful lot of you. So I'm gonna go back over some of the valuable content, well, what I perceive as valuable content that I think you guys might be interested in. So that's what we're gonna talk about today. Specifically, I'm going back to episode number eight, which I published in June, 2020. And um, I never recorded these episodes in uh, on video it was always audio only and so that's why when i talk about this you know channel now i always use the word podcast but in fact it's now obviously a video channel as well now that particular episode episode number eight i covered three things i covered my first deal my best deal and I covered my very worst deal. And uh, there's quite a roller coaster ride in there. And so what I thought I'll do was, let's start anyway with the first deal and we'll see how far we get, see how long this episode takes. So the original podcast, um, the reason that I covered this as a topic originally was that I got a, lis a listener question and it was from a chap called Owen Brady. Now Owen told me that he had just binged all seven of my episodes up to that point and wanted to know, was there any big wins that I could tell him uh, where I added an awful lot of value very, very quickly. And um, so first of all, Owen, if you're still listening, I'm not sure if you are, but um, shout out to Owen for uh, being one of the early listeners. Um, but second of all, uh, and just a little bit of a word of advice, but if you ever want something from somebody, like an answer to their question, throw in a little bit of the, oh, I've binged all your episodes, because that um, music to the uh, to the host's ears, and uh, you'll certainly get a bit of a, a better chance of getting your, uh, your question answered. 
Um, they say that uh, flattery uh, helps a lot and, and definitely it does. So before I get into this, I want to reiterate, um, jokes aside, I want to reiterate that as I'm talking about this stuff, it can often come across as, you know, making money in the property sector is as easy as just, you know, rolling the dice and you kind of, you're going to win big. And so I want to go back to some of the advice that I started giving when I started this podcast, and that is patience and discipline. And that sometimes is not a particularly sexy thing to say, but patience and discipline is the kind of behavior that ultimately pays out in this business. And, you know, if you have a tendency to pile, you know, quickly decide, quickly jump into deals, you might get a load of deals. You might get over the line with things and it might do very well for you. And, and certainly that was working for me in the early days. But this can have a ten. This can have uh, quite a bite if it goes wrong for you, and um, this stuff comes back to bite you. And so, just be very careful not to pile in without covering all of the uh, the you know the procedures and your due diligence and all that stuff. Because I paid a very hefty price in two thousand and eight when the market crashed, um, but prior to that, the previous five years. I was, you know, I was a bit of a gambler and it really worked very, very well in a rising market. As soon as a market turns from a rising market to a falling market, then that kind of behavior can be punished very, very heavily. So you have to be careful. So that's why I wanted to cover when I'm talking about, I'm going to talk my first deal. So whatever might my first deal, it is what it is. But my best and my worst deal, I brought the, the worst in to completely balance the equation. I didn't want to sort of give you this best deal and then just leave it at that because it would sound like it's a bonanza but there's also the worst deal where you kind of give back a lot of your profits and ultimately you know what's the point in making loads of money if you end up giving it back on the next deal so that's one of the reasons why I just want to reiterate that that being said let's get into my very first deal and I'm going to tell you about it was actually my first deal my, was my was my family home or was my own home that I bought at the ripe old age of 20. And this was way back in May 1993. And it was, the address was Hatesbury Lane in Dublin 4. And it was a tiny, tiny little muse house. Uh, in the, and muse house, if you're not familiar, they are these small little cottages that are basically built in the rear garden of the big grand kind of townhouses that line the streets, the Georgian kind of streets and stuff of Dublin. Now, in this particular case, this house was in the rear garden of the main house on, on Waterloo Road, uh, or sorry, on Wellington Road. So there's, Hatesbury Lane runs down the centre of the two houses back onto. So it's Waterloo Ro Road on one side, Wellington Road on the other side, the big, big houses are on those, and then the street down the middle um, where you would basically bring your horse and cart after you dropped off the lady and the, uh, you know, and the owner of the house, you would bring the horse and cart around to the stables. And they were, that's what Hatesbury Lane was. It was a, a lane, a muse lane for the stables. And um, you would have, you know, my house that I bought, this little tiny muse, it was a two bedroom, one bathroom house, but eff effectively this was like a stable. So it, it would have been for the, um, um, for the stable boy to live there and it would have been you know you would have parked the the cart in in this old house 
and the horses probably would have lived there as well. So it was um, effectively a stables that I bought. That was my first home. And I paid, uh, now bear in mind, this is Irish pounds at the time. So I paid 85,000 Irish pounds for it. And that's the equivalent, if you do the conversion of 108,000 euro in today's money. So I lived there for six years. And I, I have to say, I absolutely loved living in the middle of town, like Hatesbury Lane's right in the middle of it all. And Bagot Street's just down the road. So as a young guy, you know, <laughs> you couldn't get better uh, a place to live. And so really, really lived it up for those six, six years as a kind of a bachelor, uh, young guy, young man about town. In 1999, I got engaged. So I've been living there six or seven years and I got engaged and um, we decided, my, my fiance at the time and I, we decided that we would buy a house together um, because she had some money to put into buying a house and I had some money to put into buying a house. So we thought, let's pool our resources and buy something together. And so we, and it was also time to move in together or whatever because we're getting married. And what we decided to do was buy a house on Whitethorn Road in Klonski. Now, rather than sell my Muse house, um, well, first of all, I didn't want to sell anything because I absolutely loved that house. Uh, it was so convenient being right in the middle of town and everything like that. Uh, you know, whenever the concerts were on in the RDS, I can remember on the day of my one of my birthdays, uh, U2 were playing in, RD, in the RDS. And I was sitting out in my backyard and I could actually hear the concert really, really clearly from my backyard in you know so the center of town was full of life and Lansdowne Road is only down the road so the big rugby matches and all that kind of stuff it was the center of the universe as far as I was concerned I did not want to sell this property and the fact that I was getting married it was kind of like, well you know we'll move into this bigger house but we'll keep this you know for for moving back into later and uh, anyway I found a tenant willing to move into the house very, very quickly. And that's the great thing about a good location is that you'll never struggle to find a tenant. And um, in the time, in those seven years that I've been living there, prices had risen quite steeply. And so uh, the rent was 1,400 pounds. And that was, um, if you do the equation or the, uh, the conversion to euro, that was 1,777 euro. And so I was getting that per month. Now, if you do the maths, you can figure out that the, um, the yield on this property deal was quite good. It was my first home, so obviously I didn't earn any rent for those initial five or six years. But when I did put it on the market, I had paid 85,000 pounds for that property. And I was now getting 1,400 a month for it. And if you do the maths, that is 16,800 pounds um, per annum and if you do the the calculation to work out the gross yield that works out at a 19.7 percent gross yield so we'll say ballpark 20 percent and that effectively means that the rent that i was getting per year was equivalent to one-fifth of the cost of the property so every five years that i had that house rented at that amount that was the property paid for and so it was obviously a great you know cracking deal now, in the end, I held on to that Muse house for almost 20 years. And the, I, believe it or not, the exact same tenant that I had for those entire 20 years 
that was the um, the ten- the same tenant lived there for that entire time. And when I when I eventually sold the property, I actually sold the property with the tenant in situ. And um, during those twenty years, he paid me three hundred and thirty thousand Irish pounds, the equivalent being four hundred and twenty-five thousand euro over that period of time. So do the maths there and figure out like that. That is effectively the house paid for about four times over throughout the life of my owning owning it. So that was my very first property. Now I did mention I moved into. Um, a house with my fiance at the time, and that was a house on Whitethorn Road in Clonski. That was a three-bedroom, slightly bigger house, um, further out of town, but not so far. It's actually a nice area, Clonski. It's right beside UCD, the big university, and it was a three-bedroom Crampton-built house, is what you would call that. And Crampton were a, a family that built a lot of houses in the 1950s. And I believe this house had been built around about 1952 or something. And the reason I know that is because when I was renovating it, we actually found a milk bottle buried in concrete in the house. And when we smashed open the bottle, we found a newspaper and a handwritten note. And the newspaper had the date 1952. And the handwritten note was saying, you know, this bottle has been left here today in the concrete as we're setting it. And uh, it was really fantastic to find that. And what I actually did was I took the newspaper and the handwritten note and I framed it. And I actually put it on the wall of the house so you can kind of see. But it was really interesting, nice bit of nostalgia there. Now, what I really loved about this house when I went and I bought it, uh, before I bought it, I was, I was going to view it. And it was, they had this really long rear garden and they had a side garage. And so I saw huge potential. And like, first of all, I was an architect. So an architect can see a lot of potential because obviously the mind is working on the designs and stuff like that. But what was really stood out for me was the rear garden was completely overgrown. I mean, completely overgrown. And I decided I wanted to go out and see, you know, how, uh, how big the rear garden was. And this was before Google Earth and Google Maps and all that kind of stuff. So you couldn't see, you know, pinching the screen on your phone how big the property was. You just had to go out and kind of feel around. So I scrambled out into this jungle, effectively. There was brambles coming out right into the middle of the garden. There was lots and lots of apple trees and all of this stuff. And what I, uh, you know, I kind of felt like I needed a machete to get through it. It was so thick. So I eventually managed to kind of make my way to the back. I think I found a stick or something to beat the stuff back and got all the way to the back wall and turned around and looked. And the house was way, way down the garden. And I remember thinking, wow, this is a huge garden. I think it was over 100 foot long. And so I saw, wow, huge potential here. And I was the only person at the viewing that went to the trouble of getting to the back garden because it was so difficult to reach. And so I thought to myself, this is a big opportunity, like a lot of room for expansion and nobody else is going to, is going to know this. Nobody else is going to go to this trouble. So that was to me a big opportunity extension and all that. The other thing that was interesting about this is it was an executor sale. Now what that means is an elderly lady had been living in this property and either she died living there or she went off to a nursing home and she died, but she had left this property behind uh, for her family and passed it on to her children. And I can't remember the details, but let's say she had four or five kids. And 
what happens in that situation is, you know, the kids aren't living in the property. They've all grown up and they're living elsewhere. And so they just decide, look, let's go and sell the property and then divvy up the whatever it sells for. So they put it in the hands of an auctioneer and it was, you know, put on the market as is. So you're taking the property in its original state and it's, so it becomes a real fixer-upper. In this case, it was super dated, like everything was original. So the windows were single glazed. The uh, kitchen was like really, really out of date, like completely out of date, kind of like a scullery. It had like these huge, big, deep sort of kitchen sinks and stuff. Bathroom, super old as well. Didn't have a shower. It had like one of these big, deep baths. And so everything about it had to change. So I decided I'm going to go and try and buy this. Went into the um, auction. And for those of you who don't know, like an auction can be kind of a scary thing. This was my first auction. This is in May 1999. And what's scary about an auction is that you have to send your solicitor in to do the review of the title and all that before the, you actually go to the auction. Because you go in there ready to buy. Like you are now committed and you are going to go for it. And you have to bring your checkbook with you because you will be paying 10%. If you're successful in the auction, you will be handing over a check for 10% of the property price there and then. And you'll be signing a contract. You'll be in contract to buy, to complete that property like a month later or something. So you end up, you go in with 10, 10% deposit and the auction is crazy. The speed that it goes in. I can remember going in and I can, I think I set myself a price limit of 350 pounds to, to buy this property. And I was, you know, I think they were guiding 310, if I'm correct, or something like that. I can't remember the details so far back now, but maybe they were guiding like 290 or 300 or 310 or something like that. So I kind of thought, okay, what can I go to? I can probably go to about 350. And I thought to myself, but I really want this property. So you go into the auction, the auctioneer is standing up the, the front of the room and I sat up the front and I kind of was wearing my jacket and tie, wanted to kind of look, you know, respectable, wanted to be taken serious because I was still kind of a youngish guy. And um, the auctioneer goes out, do I have 250? They kind of read out the details, you know, this property is this and this, great opportunity, blah, blah, blah. Do I have 250? Do I have an offer of 250? And they're looking around the room. Do I have 250? Anybody 250? And then I decided, being green as I am, most people never make the first sort of offer. But I put my hand up and said 250. So he goes, ah, I have 250 here. Uh, do I have 255? And that's when other people jump in. So somebody put their hand up at the back, 255. I put my hand up, 260. And in the space that I'm saying this to you, this is how it happened in the auctioneer. 265, do I have, okay, 270, 275, do I have 280, 280, do I have 280, 285, 290, 295, 300, 310, 3, 3, and it went up and up and up like this, and it was, the speed was just crazy, there was three people bidding on the property, myself and two others, and so it was going up in these increments, 5,000 increments, very, very quickly, um, and in the end, it got, I think one of the buyers dropped away. So it was just me and this other buyer. And it was 380. Do I have 385? And I put my hand up and it goes 380. Okay, there's 390 over here. And so I put my hand up 390. And then the guy that I was bidding against bid 391. And he turned to me, to you, sir, do you want to go again? And I said, 392. And he looked to the other guy and the guy backed out and he goes, boom, with the, with the big hammer, sold 392 to this man here at the front row. 
And that was it in the blink of an eye, like literally in under 60 seconds, you're now responsible for the purchase of this property. You're going to take your check out and you're going to write a check for 39,200 right there and then. So quite scary, but at the same time, super exciting because now you own this thing and there's not all of this waiting for auctioneers or waiting for the estate agents to call you back saying, yeah, your offer, he's interested, but he wants a bit more and all this kind of stuff. So anyway, fast forward. And um, one of the reasons I really, really thought that 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 worked out to be a great deal is because it being my family home, any increase at all in the value would be completely tax-free. And because it was an executor sale and because it was in such a state of poor condition, I was going to be completely modernizing it and I was going to be doing extension, like big expansive extension out the rear and the side and all that kind of stuff. And I probably spent the guts of £200,000 on improving that property. Um, but I sold it seven years later uh, in 2006 for £1.9 And so a massive, massive gain. And I would say, like, you know, because obviously there's a conversion, 392 in euros. Uh, 392 in euros. Let me work it out. That's €426,000 plus... I spent about 200,000. So you're talking about six, we'll say 650 I spent on the property, but I sold it for 1.9. So a 1.25 million profit on that deal, completely tax-free. Now, some of the stuff that I did with doing up that particular house was quite unconventional. There was a side garage, but what I actually did was demolish the garage. And then instead of building completely out where the garage sat, I created a side passage so that I could bring bicycles and bins and things like that down to the back garden and then what I did is I extended the house out only half of the distance that the garage had sat and that might sound counterintuitive like as to a good deal but what it means is that rooms deeper in the house actually get a lot of direct sunlight and daylight and so that worked out very very well it meant that the kitchen deep inside the house actually had a great aspect you were you had a lot of light coming in and stuff so that's something that doesn't always work out and then I extended out the rear. I built this lovely family room that um, had double doors out into the patio and stuff like that. And um, anyway, it was, a, it was a fantastic house. I really, really enjoyed living there. And uh, it worked out really well. Obviously, 1.25 million, that was kind of like, you know, on to the next deal and, and stuff like that. So guys, that is about uh, 25 minutes or thereabouts. I think what we'll do, rather than going into the best and the worst deals here, we're going to do a part two. And uh, so stay tuned for part two on this and I'll be covering my best deal and my worst deal. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Behind the Facade. If you have any questions or topics you'd like me to cover in future episodes, please connect with me via the Facebook group that is called Behind the Facade Community. Alternatively, you will find me on social media. My handle is Gavin J. Gallagher. You can stay up to date with all of my content and the various projects I'm working on over on my website, GavinJGallagher.com. And while you're there, please do add your name to the Join My Tribe thing over on the right-hand side. This will ensure you're kept up to date via my weekly newsletter. All of these links are in the show notes below. That's all for now. I will see you guys in the next episode.